Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns now have an offensive coordinator. Ken Dorsey is the hire. Uh, it came out Sunday at the weirdest possible time. We'll note here, right in the middle of the uh, the championship games. So the Browns really buried this one. Uh, but Ken Dorsey is the Browns offensive coordinator. So, I mean, let's just start here. Mary Kay, what was your kind of instant reaction when you found out it was Dorsey? Well, it was a surprise to me because I had been, you know, just digging around on this for a few days and uh, I just did not think that he was one of the finalists. It really, um, you know, it just really did not seem like that was the way that it was going. It appeared to me that Kellen Moore was right up there, that Brian Johnson was right up there, um, maybe Gerard Johnson as well. Um, but you know, sometimes you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes until the hire is made. And then you find out, you know, that under the radar, you know, this is kind of what we were thinking or where we were going. So I'm sure we'll, uh, find out more about that and we'll hear more about their process and what they were thinking about Ken Dorsey. But some of the things that I know that they liked about him are the fact that, um, even though he got fired by the bills, you know, he has been really, really good with some amazing quarterbacks. He helped Cam Newton win an NFL MVP award, go 15 and one, get to the Super Bowl. In terms of Josh Allen, uh, they went to the playoffs multiple times together and he was the runner up uh, for MVP in uh, one of those years that they were together. So, you know, he called plays, he's got that kind of experience for two years with the Bills and he's done an amazing job with two dual threat quarterbacks that are, you know, bigger guys, you know, Deshaun's not as big as a Cam Newton uh, or a Josh Allen, but, you know, still a, a big rugged dual threat quarterback uh, with plenty of arm talent. And um, they hope that they can get similar production out of Deshaun Watson with Ken Dorsey. Ashley, what about you? What was your instant reaction to, to this hire? Yeah, mine was also, like, surprise and kind of like, huh. Like, again, I think, like, Kellen Moore, to me, was, like, the guy this cycle, at least so far. And I do think there were some other intriguing options, like Gerard Johnson. But I do think this is one of those moves that's not, like, super flashy, okay, right? Like, and especially knowing how his tenure ended in Buffalo, I think you saw a lot of fans being like, how did they hire this guy? He got fired in the middle of the season. But... I do think when you look more closely at it, 
his history with those kind of quarterbacks like Mary Kay is describing is kind of what makes sense. We had touched on that before with him. And, you know, Dan, I think you made the comment about it even scares you when Josh Allen plays like Josh Allen sometimes. You don't know if you want that exact style for Deshaun Watson. But, you know, looking at some of those numbers in Buffalo, it wasn't like, I guess, so like black and white at the terms of his firing. Like, yes, the turnovers were a problem there. Josh Allen's interceptions were the problem. He was leading the league in interceptions, but he was also leading the league in touchdowns at the time. So you kind of had to take the good with the bad. Um, That firing, I know, was viewed differently by analysts and fans. And, you know, it wasn't just cut and dry, like, yeah, this guy has to go. So I think that's the first thing. Um, But yeah, I think overall, my reaction was this isn't like a super splashy move that they made, but it does feel like a move that's so centered around Deshaun Watson. So there's a lot that, that we just touched on that I want to I want to get to, but let's just start with the Deshaun part of this, right? Because that's the most important. That's the most important part of this is Deshaun Watson and Mary Kay. As I've sort of after this hire happened, and as I sort of um, kind of thought through it, slept on it, all of that. The, the thing that stood out to me is what you mentioned. He worked with Cam Newton during Cam Newton's MVP year, and he really was a big part of Brian Dable and the Buffalo Bills turning Josh Allen into what he is now. Now we can, we can spend some time on like, you know, can Deshaun play exactly like Cam Newton and Josh Allen who play that position like linebackers? Probably not, but there's still something there with Deshaun Watson as a dual threat quarterback and his ability to run that Ken Dorsey should be able to maximize. Yes. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And uh, Cam Newton, who, by the way, and I put this in, um, you know, my main story that I wrote last night on, on this hiring, he's very close to Deshaun Watson. They are very, very close. Okay. So Deshaun is not going into this, not having any idea what Ken Dorsey is all about. He, he has already gotten, I'm sure the, uh, you know, the 411 about Ken Dorsey from his very, very close friend, Cam Newton. And Cam speaks very highly of Ken Dorsey. And so does Josh Allen. You know, they both really liked him a lot. And, um, you know, when um, when Brian Dable left to take the Giants job, Josh Allen went to bat for Ken Dorsey to get that play-calling offensive coordinator job. And then after, in his season wrap-up this past week, I mean, he really kind of tried to take some of the onus off of Ken Dorsey for what happened in those first weeks of the season when they were 5-5 five and five and Josh led the NFL with 11 interceptions and whatnot. He was still passing at an alarming rate and doing some really good things. So he kind of, you know, maybe he took the fall for all the turnovers that Denver Broncos game where they turned the ball over four times was the last straw for um, for Ken Dorsey before his firing. Josh turned it over three times in that game, and they just felt like it was time for a change, time for a new direction. It's going to be interesting to see uh, if he can bring you know, that same kind of vibe again to Deshaun, because as we have talked about many times before, do you want Deshaun sacrificing his body like that? You see what Josh Allen does. He's... Uh, He's a kamikaze out there. I mean, he's nuts, you know? And I don't know that you want Deshaun necessarily playing like that. So they might have to rein in Deshaun a little bit to help keep him healthy. And if so, you know, how is that going to impact uh, his game and his ability? Yeah, Ashley, that's and, and sort of what you were touching on. Like we mentioned with um, 
when we were talking about Josh Allen, I don't remember, was that on the pod that no one's ever going to hear? Or was that uh, was that on a pod that we put out? I don't remember. I can't remember if it was a pod that we put out or not. That's tough. There's there's a pod. We'll get to it. But there's there's a pod that we recorded, a just in case pod that no one's ever going to hear. Anyway, um, <laughs> you had mentioned we, I, you know, I had said that Josh Allen makes me nervous when he plays like Josh Allen, <laughs> and we know that Deshaun Watson is coming back from this unprecedented shoulder surgery, and like Cam Newton, right, is like. But to watch Cam Newton play, these are guys that play like linebackers. And, you know, the Browns were the Browns had Harrison Bryant doing quarterback sneaks this year. So, like, it does have to look different. He he can't play like Cam Newton and, and Josh Allen, specifically the way those guys play, kind of seeking out that contact. Right. I mean, it's just going to be too much. And especially just given Deshaun Watson's recent injury history, I don't think you can risk it. So that's what I'm like, I'm intrigued by how this is going to, you know, potentially look different, both from what we saw the Browns do this year and what we've seen from Buffalo over over the last couple of years when Ken Dorsey was calling plays. And I'm also interested in this idea of like, we still don't know the answer technically for that. It sounds like it hasn't been decided, Mary Kay, based on what you've reported um, on if Kevin Stefanski is going to hand over those play calling duties or, or how they're going to do it. But, you know, this idea of getting a new set of eyes on this roster, on this offense, and I do think, like, it's not going to be an exact carbon copy of what Josh Allen did or what they did in Carolina with Cam Newton, because it can't be based on your quarterback's injury injury history. Um, But how are these ideas going to mesh together? I don't know. And maybe, like, ultimately that's going to be what they need is that new set of eyes in there, but... It is, I think, like the number one question for this offense is how physical is Deshaun Watson going to have to be when he's back? Well, one of the one of the points I wanted to make real super quick is that um, he's not going to double as the quarterback's coach like Alex Van Pelt did. Uh, so, you know, with Kevin in the room and with Ken in the room, you know, they're not going to have someone just solely devoted to just quarterback's coach position, which I think is interesting. Um, now I know that Deshaun really likes Ashton Grant, who was the assistant quarterbacks coach last year. So with Ashton still in the room, I, I think that he kind of serves that quarterbacks coach role. Now, maybe they won't give him the title of quarterbacks coach, or maybe they will, you know, maybe that's still to come as, you know, Ken gets in there and sees how he wants to sort of shape the staff. The other thing to think about is the fact that you know, as offensive coordinator, you know, we know that, you know, Kevin is still really in charge of the offense. How do we know that? Well, in part, because in this offensive shakeup, the coordinator was kind of the the last hire. They've already hired the tight ends coach. They've already hired the running backs coach. So it's not like, you know, in some cases you get an offensive coordinator and then you let that guy hire his staff, or at least be very involved in hiring his staff. This is more Kevin reshaping his offensive staff. I have a feeling he's going to hang on to play calling. I don't know if Ken's two years, not even two full years. Okay. He got fired in the middle of his second year of play calling. I don't know if that warrants uh, Kevin just handing that right over to, um, to Ken. And we've got a Ken enough on this Ken enough on the staff. True. It's very true. Um, I should have said that was my reaction when he was hired. It's <laughs> enough. It's enough. What, what could have been? 
<laughs> so Mary Kay, the, the play calling thing is interesting, right? It's what everybody's talking about today. Um, and I think when you look at all of these candidates, right, like a Kellen Moore, you probably weren't going to get Kellen Moore unless he was going to be calling the plays. Um, but I, I, like with Ken Dorsey, you know, only had the two years of play calling experience as it was, got fired. So I, I don't know, maybe he's maybe he's more open to just coming into that Alex Van Pelt role. And he has been a quarterback's coach in the past. So he's certainly comfortable in that role as well, even though it's, you know, like you said, they're not really going to have like a specific quarterback's coach, it doesn't sound like. So it wouldn't surprise me if when all is said and done, Kevin just kind of ends up keeping the play calling here. I'm, I think I'm kind of with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think that I've said this so many times before, and I, I think it's important. Kevin, and now I'm going to have a hard time going back and forth between Ken and Kevin, Kevin and Ken, Ken and Kevin. But um, Kevin has not had a full season to call plays for Deshaun Watson, right? I mean, if I'm Kevin, I want that. I want that one full season to be able to do that. So I don't know how you want to figure this out for this year, but if I'm Kevin, I'm not giving it up yet. I'm just not giving it up. And I do think that Kellen Moore was of the caliber that he would have, you would have had to give that to him. There was no way. He had too many opportunities to go call plays for too many teams. You were not getting him unless you put that on the table. And maybe they didn't. Maybe they said, hey, we'll see how it goes or we'll collab or whatever. I, you know, we don't know how that went down. You know, maybe we're all assuming that he was their top choice and that he just decided to choose the Eagles over the Browns. Maybe, maybe the Browns weren't going to 100% let him call the plays. We don't know some of those details yet. Uh, But I think at this point, Kevin Stefanski should hang on to play calling and see what he and Deshaun Watson can accomplish together with one full season together. Yeah, I think that's a key point here too, Ashley. Is like he's Kevin has sort of been remaking this offense and rebuilding this offense, and like he's never gotten to actually show what he can do as a play caller. And and as much as we talk about Kevin, like as much as we talk about him as you know, he doesn't have to call plays. That's not his identity. He's not wrapped up in that. All of these guys have some level of ego. You don't become a head coach in the NFL if you don't have some level of ego. So he, of course, he's going to look in the mirror at times and think you know, hey, I'm I'm the best option here to call plays. I mean, that's normal. That's a natural human reaction. And frankly, he's been pretty good at it. So I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to continue to, to give it a shot here. And then at some point, if he wants to hand it over, he can. Yeah, and even thinking back to Andrew's press conference, was that last week? Was that last Monday? It was <laughs> last Monday, and I know that because I had a post yeah. that I was working on, and I had to go back and change all my references. And I couldn't remember if go. it was like two Mondays ago three Mondays ago last Monday it was a mess I mean I know we talked about it at the time but like I did think it was interesting it felt like Andrew in that press conference like went out of his way almost to praise that aspect of Kevin as a head coach like obviously praised him all around for the job he did this year but he was asked about this idea of play calling and would you guys give that up to the new OC and didn't want to say too much obviously about anything that was going on there with Kevin's staff but You know, I did think it was interesting that he specifically pointed that out again, because I do think that is obviously what drew the Browns to him in the first place when they hired him, that aspect of him as a coach. And I do think, again, this is a conversation we had a lot last year when people were, you know, all up in arms and, you know, wanting something different there from the play calling. The reality is after 2022, 
we hadn't gotten a look at really what this offense was going to look like with Deshaun. And this year it did feel like a lot of the same. And just because of Deshaun missing so much time. So I think like all the conversations we had last year, just copy and paste them into this offseason because the story was just so similar in terms of Deshaun Watson's availability and still not really knowing what that's going to look like, him calling plays for Deshaun. Okay, let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the hire of Ken Dorsey as offensive coordinator. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Monday reacting to the Browns hiring of Ken Dorsey. You know, I I mentioned this earlier. We had recorded a just-in-case pod in in case someone else got hired over the weekend. Um, That person did not get hired. Uh, Mary Kay actually had a pretty good Joe Flacco rant on there. (laughs) Um, Maybe I'll tack that on to the end of this podcast. And I think I'll put the video up on, uh, on, oh, here we go. I'll put the video up on our Instagram. So go find us on Orange and Brown Talk. Um, And you can hear Mary Kay's case for bringing Joe Flacco back as, uh, as the backup quarterback. But Mary Kay, I'm curious because you mentioned this, that maybe Kellen Moore was their top choice. And we're still sort of sorting through all of this. So what what do you think happened with Kellen Moore? Like did was Philadelphia just better? Did he prefer Jalen Hurts? We don't know yet. I mean what what happened do you think with Kellen Moore? Well, I still have to, you know, do my due diligence on that and try to figure out, you know, what did happen there. Uh, but I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, maybe some of it had to do with the fact and and all of this is is a guess right now. But maybe some of it had to do with the fact that Deshaun is coming off of a shoulder surgery. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, whether or not anybody would ever, you know, admit that in anywhere, uh, that's got to be in the back of the mind of his next offensive coordinator. How is he going to do coming off of a shoulder surgery with a broken bone in his fractured, you know, shoulder, the glenoid, the socket? Um, you know, nobody really knows exactly how that's going to go. So maybe, maybe that was a factor. Maybe not. Again, at this moment, I am just speculating. Uh, but then play calling could have been an issue. You know, maybe he, he felt that he uh, wanted to be able to 100% for sure call plays. And maybe that wasn't on the table as his job description here. Um, maybe he connected in a different way with Nick Sirianni. You know, they just brought in Vic Fangio. Um, you know, maybe he was going to have an opportunity to shape his staff. You know, we, we don't know. I mean, like, as I just mentioned before, the Browns staff is now in place. And so, you know, that's that wasn't going to be something that was going to be available to Kellen Moore here. Um, and I think Kellen Moore was going to have his choice, had leverage and could write his own ticket. He was in demand. He was making the rounds. He was, you know, arguably the top name available on the market at the moment. So I, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, there were other really good guys hired, but that in that moment, uh, you know, I think he was the best one that was still out there. So he was going to be able to write his own ticket a little bit. And I don't know if he was going to be able to do that here as much. Again, still working through a lot of those uh, little details and issues. And, you know, maybe the next time we pod, I'll know a little bit more than I know now. But um, there were some things about this job that are, you know, they're, they're a little uncertain right now. 
So I think that I think the staff thing is actually interesting. Now you kind of brought it up again, Mary Kay. I want to. I, th- I think that's interesting, Ashley, because when you look at like Jim Schwartz, right? When Jim Schwartz came in, there were certainly staff members that he kept and retained, but it was like Jim Schwartz's side of the ball, and we're seeing it with the defensive line coach now too, right? They made a, a change there, and he's bringing in. He's able to bring in his people. It's that's not the case on the offensive side. That's Kevin's. That's Kevin Stefanski's side of the ball, whether he's calling plays mm-hmm. or not. Those are Kevin Stefanski's people. So I do think it's interesting. And and Mary Kay pointed this out earlier that Ken was sort of the last hire. The offensive coordinator ended up being the last hire. So, you know, the idea of bringing someone in without giving them some autonomy to sort of build their staff, it, it just sort of sets up that pecking order. Whether Kevin's calling plays or not, that side of the ball belongs to Kevin Stefanski. I think that's the ultimate point in all this for me, right? Because you look back, like you said, Jim Schwartz last year, Mary Kay and I talked about this last week off mic, but like that process happened so fast and it felt like this one was just like, you know, I think a lot of it, time is relative. Time is a made up construct, right? But it felt like this just took longer. They went after and got Jim Schwartz so fast. And like you said, it felt like there was this, you know, this question and ultimately it was him and Kevin collaborating on building that staff. But this is, totally different and to me it just kind of speaks to what you said there Dan like this is Kevin Stefanski's offense regardless of who they brought in at offensive coordinator and it just adds to this idea for me of well it's still his baby but it is this idea of you know you ship out some of these guys who had been here since the beginning maybe with that goal of getting new ideas and new eyes on this offense as a whole and again to me all of that goes back to you have to figure out how to maximize this thing for Deshaun Watson and what that's going to look like. And I do think, you know, four years in, it doesn't hurt to get, you know, a fresh set of eyes on this. So the other question that comes with this hire, right, is like, what exactly happened in Buffalo? Which again, on Monday at noon, we probably don't have all those answers. Uh, But like he did get fired. So now you could say he was a scapegoat. Maybe that was the case. And there are a lot of advanced stats out there that show the offense was really good. Uh, there are a lot, there's a lot of traditional stat, stats that show the offense was really good. And there's a graphic going around showing the offense under Dorsey versus the offense under Joe Brady. And it's showing that the offense was better under Dorsey than it was under Joe Brady. Obviously, the record was better after that move. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Look, obviously, Browns fans and Browns Twitter are going to do everything they can to spin this. To, to make it look like Ken Dorsey was the scapegoat. And maybe he was. Um, but Mary Kay, I mean, when you kind of look at the Buffalo situation, what, I mean, what do you think happened there? Was it, was it just a scapegoat? Like the bills needed to make a change. And so Dorsey, and you know, they couldn't fire their defensive coordinator. They already did that. And Sean McDermott wasn't going anywhere. So maybe, I mean, maybe it really was just that simple. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't get over the 26-point hump. They couldn't stop turning the ball over. You know, for, for sometimes you do just make a change to see if you can't shake things up. And, you know, again, I'm still investigating and trying to look into some of this and, and figure out what happened. But even though the numbers, like when you look at Josh Allen's passing yards under Ken Dorsey versus Josh Allen's passing yards per game or the passing yards total per game under Ken versus Joe, it was higher under Ken, as you're mentioning. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean that 
it was all going, Ashley, according to Hoyle. It was, <laughs> I mean, they, they were not winning. I mean, it was, they were five and five and something was amiss. And for whatever reason, Sean McDermott, who knows Ken Dorsey as well as anyone, decided that that's where they needed to make the change to create the spark. And I don't know. I mean, will it, is it sustainable? You know, sometimes you get that sort of, you know, bump after you make a change like that. But will it translate to next season or will they, you know, come back to the pack a little bit? I mean, they went six and one down the stretch. Will they realize that, oh, hey, it wasn't Ken Dorsey. It was blah, 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 blah. Josh Allen, you know, started making better decisions and stopped turning the ball over, What you know, whatever the case may be. So no one really knows for sure. Um, exactly what went on there. And it'll be interesting to hear when we do talk to Ken Dorsey, what his take on that is, because he certainly took the fall for that in the same way that Brian Johnson took the fall for a similar collapse in Philadelphia, but it didn't stop the Browns from really liking him. They talked to Brian Johnson right all the way up until the end. I mean, there was a chance that we could be doing this pod about Brian Johnson today. I mean, there is that chance um, and he was another one that, you know, it's it, at first blush, it looks like, you know, he was the problem. But, you know, that just might not be the case at all. Sometimes you are working within uh, the parameters that someone allows you to. And so we don't know. We don't know about that. Was Ken Dorsey, you know, doing what his boss was telling him to do and kind of had his hands tied in some ways? Was Brian Johnson doing the same? I think the Browns feel that way. I think they feel both guys were really, really good, bright, offensive minds who in some ways had their hands tied a little bit. And now, you know, they're going to be able to shine in their own right. And sometimes weird things happen to, to kind of what you're saying, Mary Kay. I mean, the, Kellen Moore in Dallas, right? Like here was a, a hot candidate for years, right? Like he was getting head coaching interviews, People were wondering if he might be the next Dallas Cowboys head coach if they ever moved on from Mike McCarthy. And then the next thing you know, Mike McCarthy says, nope, I want to run the ball more. So we're getting rid of you, Kellen, and I'm going to take back over play calling. I, sometimes it's little things like that. It's, you know, I, I just don't like the way, you know, I don't think you're running it enough or I don't, I don't like the way you're doing this or these dynamics in these buildings are wild and when you're a head coach like Sean McDermott and you haven't been able to get over the hump and maybe you're feeling the heat a little bit you, you know you are going to scapegoat Ken Dorsey a little bit so I think there is I, I think there I think there is a little bit of a scapegoat situation here now th does that mean that it also wasn't partially Ken's fault that, and look the offense did did seem to run smoother when Joe Brady was there, Josh Allen wasn't turning the ball over as much. Is that because of Josh Allen or is that because of the system? I don't know. Um, but I, you know, when I look at just the raw numbers, Ashley, and I look at the quarterbacks he's worked with, I, I just, I can't complain about this hire. I think this is a good hire, even though we're talking about a guy that got fired in the middle of the season. Yeah. Some of this to me too, is also just like, basically what we've been alluding to, like just the life cycle of coordinators in the NFL. And I even think back to last year with the Browns, right? And obviously it was the right move for them to go out and get Jim Schwartz. But 
you look at that defense that Joe Woods had to work with, and sure, some of their issues were probably the scheme, right? But they also didn't have any good interior D linemen, really. And this year they go out, they totally remade that part of the line, and that did a lot for the Browns defense. And I think like the same can be said of offenses that, hey, sometimes like the change of scenery or the fresh set of eyes is good for both sides. And maybe, you know, it'll be that way in Cleveland. Like he'll come in and he'll change some things, revitalize some things, and eventually maybe the Browns would feel like it's time to to move on to the next guy, right? Like Alex Van Pelt, even, like, you can't point to, like, one thing, oh, AVP wasn't doing this or he was doing that and they didn't like it. Like, maybe it really was just about, hey, we need that fresh perspective in here. And I think that's just part of being a coach or a coordinator in the NFL. It's bound to happen to basically everyone at some point in their career. Okay. Do we want to spend a little time on those championship games yesterday before we go? Sure. Kansas City, Kansas City and uh, and Detroit. Um I mean, just devastating for the Detroit Lions, un- yep. unfortunately. Um, I was so close to being 2-0 and on my picks. And then Dan Campbell <laughs> well, was, just wouldn't take the points. I was so close to being 0-2. Can I be honest with you? I don't. I didn't have as big an issue with the fourth downs as I did with them not managing their timeouts at the end. Like, to me, having to use that one timeout before you scored that touchdown was just like you had to, when you gave the ball back, to San Francisco, you had to have all three of those timeouts, whatever it took, even if you had to burn some time running the field goal unit on like that was that to me was more egregious than even those fourth downs, especially because their kicker was a little shaky from some of those distances. But um, yeah, that was that was a tough watch in the second half for sure. Yeah, I mean, what an epic collapse. So disappointing. And, you know, immediately you start to see, oh, what a great job they did. What a great job they did. What a great job they did. no. No, you need to to allow everyone to speak the truth. That was a horrible collapse by the Detroit Lions. In your, as the Browns would say, they picked a bad day to have a bad day. I was saying that about the Ravens. My goodness, what in the heck? I mean, I know Steve Spagnolo happened to the Ravens. I mean, Steve Spagnolo underrated who who talks about him nobody ever talks about him why doesn't he have a head coaching job right now like what the heck uh i know they tend towards offensive guys but that was just a masterful job by him and then in the in the lions um 49ers game that that was just an embarrassing embarrassing meltdown that never should have happened yeah i mean the both things can be true, right? Like they had a, a great memorable season, but man, that was, they should be in the Super Bowl. Like yeah. it's, it's sort of like the Browns. Hey, they had a great memorable season and they did, they did great things this year with all their injuries, but they should not have lost to the Houston Texans by 31 points. They should no. have at least played one more game. Like yes. there, there's no, there's no excuses there at all. Like both those things can be true. Um, and speaking of Spagnolo, obviously the narrative is going to be Patrick Mahomes and it should be, he's incredible, but, Kansas City's possessions in the second half, punt, 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 end of game. Yeah. And yet they won. (laughs) I mean, it was was amazing. It was right there. It was right there for for the Ravens to seize the moment because their defense, you know, did a pretty nice job in the second half. So, I mean, it was was there for the taking. And I'll tell you, 
I mean, Zay Flowers, I hope he stood up and apologized to his football team because not only uh, did he have the fumble, uh, but obviously that that stupid penalty before that. I mean, that, that could have cost them the game. That sequence could really could have cost them the game. It seems like it did, you know, it, it had a lot to do with it. So, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty incredible. But, you know, you've got some you've got Superman and, and Pat Mahomes. And, and when when push came to shove, you know, Pat and Trav did their thing. I hate taunting penalties in the NFL. And usually when you see them, it's like, oh, my God, did they really call that? When they showed yeah. the replay of that, I didn't even think twice. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was, what was he doing? That was so stupid. Like, so stupid. Sometimes we see some really dumb ones, but that one was like, like that the refs shouldn't have called. But that one was like, you know how sensitive they are about it. Like, And yep. then to do that, like, come on, man. You, you got to be better than that. So funny, though, when people were pointing this out on Twitter, like he gets called for it. But then like... The NFL on CBS account is tweeting the video out and being like, Zay Flowers, let him know. Like, it just is so funny, this disconnect. And yeah, I mean, but it was it was so obvious. It's like, at a certain point, like, yes, we can be mad about taunting and like, uh, they shouldn't call it. But you know they're going to call it. It's just part of the game that you have to account for if you're a player. It just is. Yeah, it's sort of like roughing the passer sometimes, right? Yeah. Like, you know, some of those are going to be sort of stupid, but these pass rushers by now, there was actually a, a pass rush against Mahomes where the guy pulled up and didn't hit him. That could have been a, a roughing if he would have hit him in the end zone. And, uh, you know, at this at this stage, these pass rushers know what is and isn't allowed. So you might not love it, but you, you, know, you know how it's called. You know, the thing about when I look at that game, when I look at Kansas City and the Baltimore Ravens, it is so hard. And it's always going to be so hard. And I remember I even asked Andrew Barry, how are you going to get past Patrick Mahomes? It's so incredibly difficult. You're talking about probably, potentially, the GOAT. When all is said and done, he can surpass Tom Brady. He's young enough to do it. He's talented enough to do it. And that could very well happen. And when you have an opportunity to do it, you cannot blow it. I mean, they blew it. It's going to be so hard for them to keep that team intact. And I mean, their best uh, sacker, you know, might be gone. I mean, it, it's really, really hard to keep a team going and to get back to where you were and to get back to the level that you were before. They were in the championship game and they blew it. I mean, they literally blew it because the, it was there for the taking. And you never know if you're ever going to get that chance again. Yeah, I was, thinking, I was thinking that with the Lions, too. Like, they're a good young team, and they should be back. But you're right. You just This game is, is hard. Never know. And by the way, with Kansas City, remember when they lost the Super Bowl a few years ago? And they yeah. were like, oh, we need to go get some offensive linemen. Yep. I feel like this year, no matter what happens, they're going to say, oh, you know what? Maybe we should invest in some receivers. So yeah. this, they're only going to get better. Like this, this is probably the best defense Mahomes has had, but like, this is the worst offense he's had. And they're probably going to look at that and say, all right, let's go get some receivers now. Oh yeah. And they're they, only going to be better next year. Oh, they're going to do that. They're definitely going to do that. Um, so yeah, they're, that's one darn good organization. And I mean, to make it to this point, this many times in a row, it's not just because you have the goat at quarterback. It's because of Andy Reid and your front office 
and how they just keep bringing it. And good luck, Cleveland Browns. It's going to be really, really hard to ever get past the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, well, that's why you go get Ken Dorsey, right? I guess. <laughs> but you're trying to figure out Deshaun Watson, like we've said over and over again. Uh, we are well removed from putting him in that same sentence as, as a Mahomes or a, a Josh Allen, but that's what you're trying to get him back to. So mm-hmm. then we can start having those discussions again about if Deshaun belongs in that class. And that's that's the big ask here from uh, from Ken Dorsey. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I told you about Instagram. Find us on Orange at Orange and Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube, Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com, and become a Football Insider subscriber, Cleveland.com slash Browns the Blue Banner at the top of the page. We will have a Hey Mary Kay podcast coming up here this week, so you'll want to become an, a, uh, an insider so you can get your questions in on that podcast. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 